Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be set now when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. Oh, gosh, guys, what are you going to think of me now? I'm a Texan redneck, okay? Verse 29, Those who were in Rachel, those who were in the city of, of the Jerahmelites, those who were in the cities of the Kenites, those who were in Hormah, those who were in Chorashan, or Chorashan, or whatever, those who were in Athach, those who were in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to rove. Sorry for that, guys. I know I tore it up. I'm just a Texan dude doing the best I can, y'all. Okay. So anyway, that's a lot of spoils. Look at all these places that David gave these gifts to. That's a lot of spoil right there. And David's return with all these spoils for these places, no doubt all these people would remember what David did for them with this great gift, and so they would be very enthusiastic when David would become king. Do you see how David is still working to build a kingdom he has not even seen yet? That's awesome. So once again, David is on the rise. The people are starting to really love him. He came with gifts, and David is working on a kingdom that is starting to take shape in a very, very good way, which is a far cry from what was told of Saul, what's coming for Saul, in 1 Samuel 31, verse 1. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them, and many fell dead on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines were in hot pursuit of Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons, Jonathan. Remember Jonathan, guys, David's friend. Killed his sons, Jonathan, Ahinadab, and Malchishua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul. And when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and run me through, or these uncircumcised fellows will come and run me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer was terrified and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When the armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons and his armor-bearer and all his men died together that same day. Friends, this is exactly how Samuel said it would turn out, is it not? He said it was going to go down this way. Saul and his sons, they all died together, and the army also, the Israelite army, was beaten. You know, the harshest part of this story that I see in here is how Saul died. He died by suicide, the final end of a life and rebellion against the Lord God, a bad way to go. First Samuel 31 and 7. When the Israelites along the valley and those cr across the Jordan 
saw that the Israelite army had fled and that Saul and his sons had died, they abandoned their towns and fled, and the Philistines came and occupied them. The next day the Philistines came to strip the dead. They found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. They cut off his head and stripped off his armor, and they sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim the news in the temple of their idols and among their people. They put his armor in the temple of the Ashtoreths and fastened his body to the wall of Beth Shen. When the people of Jabesh-Gilead heard that what the Philistines had done to Saul, all their valiant men marched through the night to Beth Shen. They took down the bodies of Saul and his sons from the wall of Beth Shen and went to Jabesh, where they burned them. Then they took their bones and buried them under a tamarisk tree at Jabesh, and they fasted seven days. Guys, this is a very tragic end. A very tragic end. But it was also a foretold end. It's also a forewarned end, which means they knew it was coming. There's a lot of this that could have been avoided, actually. Now, there's this tendency with people to consider, they look at Saul's life and they want to say that Saul didn't obey the Lord very much, so that means he could not have been saved, because people often wonder about Saul's uh, final destiny. But that is not a fair assessment. It really isn't. Because if that were the case, if you were to look at somebody and go, well, he didn't obey the Lord very well, so he's condemned and he went to hell for it in condemnation. Well, guys, if that if that's the way you're going to look at people, then we all should be going to hell. We should all be condemned because we have all sinned and we have all disobeyed the Lord. So that is a non-compassionate viewpoint of Saul's life. Well, Saul was bad. Well, we've all d- done bad. We've all sinned. There's not a righteous person, not even one. We need to consider other elements in Saul's life when we review Saul. We have to remember that when Israel demanded a king, they wanted that king. Now, even though God was against that, God did choose Saul. Remember, he sent Samuel, I want you to go out and look for this guy who's out looking for his donkeys, and he's, he's going to find him. God chose Saul. He also prophesied at times. Do you remember that? There's also scripture that says that the Lord changed his heart. Uh-oh, what does that mean? He prophesied. He also defeated the Philistines in battle before he did that. Saul made a lot of mistakes. There's no doubt about that. I'm not trying to minimize it. He did make a lot of mistakes, but he also made mistakes because of the struggle with his flesh. Now, I'm not trying to discount any sins. Now, there's a list of sins, if you want to look in the book, uh, that talks about that those who are willfully doing this kind of stuff, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then some people turn back, oh, it's just a struggle against the flesh. Well, there's willful sin, and then there's struggle. We did see Saul struggle. He did back off of David eventually. He did repent from that. Saul confessed many times, I have sinned. I played the fool. At least he had that. So we got to give that to Saul, that he at least many times did uh, have some repentance about him. So let's have a little compassion here, okay? I want to say something about the, the struggle of the flesh. Let me bring Paul into this, because I want to show you that even Paul wrote about the struggle against the flesh in Romans 7 and 21. He said, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God, according to the inward man, that is the spirit, verse 23. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Okay, in the members, that's your body. Paul was talking about how the body, the sin nature is tainted. It's, it's corrupted with sin. 
it wars against the mind. Why does it war against the mind? Because it wants to win the decision. If it can win the decision, then the mind will not listen to the inward man, and it will say, okay, we're going to party, or we're going to sin, we're going to do whatever it is that the body wants, the pleasure, the the feel-good things like the Amalekites were doing, and then you're in sin, and now you're in trouble. The spirit talks, you better listen to the inward man and make a decision in the mind, no, we better do what the Spirit says. So you can see that it's a battle, guys. It, Paul wrote about the battle that all of us Christians have. So don't point at Saul, King Saul, and label, oh, he was condemned, bad man, bad man. Well, that there were some things about Saul and all of us that we all do. Saul walked in the flesh for most of his life. He did disobey God, but that does not mean Saul was not saved. It makes him a very disobedient believer. I'll say that. Also, when you disobey the Lord, it may result in your life being cut off a little early. And so the Lord disciplined Saul for his disobedience in the way that he saw fit. And that that's what happens to disobedient people. Even believers who fall into a string of disobedience may cut your life off. Be careful. But here's the big one. The fact that Saul threw himself on his sword, many people immediately believe that this means Saul had to be condemned. But I want you to remember, when Samuel was brought up, when Samuel was brought up by God from the dead, he told Saul what? What did he tell him? He said, tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. You and your sons will be with me. Samuel's words somewhat indicate what Saul's fate was going to be. Samuel certainly accurately predicted Saul's death was going to come, right? So when he said, you'll be with me, That should have accuracy in it, too. But did Samuel merely mean that Saul was going to be with him in the place of the dead? Or did it mean that Saul would end up in the place of righteousness with me, where Samuel was in the righteousness place? You cannot omit the fact, though, that uh, Jonathan's son was definitely a righteous guy. He was David's friend, wasn't he? And he was righteous. And I want you to take notice. Samuel told Saul, he said, you and your sons, and your sons will be with me. Jonathan was righteous. Samuel said, your son Jonathan will be with me. But he said, you and your sons will be with me. So guys, that argues for the idea that Saul joined Samuel among the righteous. Ray, you're, you're, you're making me mad, man. You're making me mad. Uh, hang on. I'm just asking you to stick to the scripture for a minute. I want you to consider Lazarus and the rich man here, okay? You look him up in Luke 16, there was the man who was in torment. They both died. Lazarus and the rich man both died. And the rich man was in torment of flames, and he shouted across to Lazarus, please give me a drop of water to cool my tongue. But nobody could cross the chasm that was between them. They both went to a place of the dead. This is before Jesus made the way to the Father. And so they could not cross. One was in flames. One was in the place of comfort. So when the when the rich man in the flames begged for a drop of water, he really wanted to be with Lazarus. He wanted to be with him, but he couldn't. They said, no, you can't cross over to here. You can't be with us because no one can cross over. So guys, what I'm saying is, if Samuel told Saul, you will be with me. Hello, with me. I want to ask you the question, was Saul saved? That's that's a tough one because Saul really confuses me. I don't want to believe Saul was saved. Well, that's the non-compassionate view. The compassionate view with the scriptural view was for me to say that I believe Saul was saved. 
We also have to consider, because I know some people are saying, Ray, you're saying it's okay to kill yourself and commit suicide. Or you're just going to go to heaven and no problem. I'm not saying that at all. I am saying, yes, I know what Saul did, but I'm saying that there's a lot of evidence that points to the fact that he is saved. Please don't get mad at me and shut the video off at this point, because I used to think this way, and I just want you to take a more compassionate view here first. We have to consider Samson. Y'all remember Samson? He died by his own actions as well. When he pushed the pillars and it all came down, he did it knowing what was going to happen. It killed him. And it was the Lord God that enabled Samson to push those pillars apart. An action that he knew of his own would end up being his own death. So you cannot say that such an act equates to condemnation for all eternity. That is a non-compassionate view. You can't say that because the Bible simply does not say that that is the case. The church in history years past has come up with a doctrine that says suicide means condemnation. Well, if you're saved, you're saved. It's a promised deal. That doesn't condone a sin license. A lot of people burn up at me over that one. I know it. I'm just saying stick to the scripture and stick to compassion and let's see what it says. He said, you're going to be with me. There's no argument. It's obvious that Saul's bad choices that he lived by, by living according to the flesh, caused a lot of damage. A lot of people died. A lot of people were hurt. But you got to also remember, Christian friend, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, our sin did as much damage. Well, I never killed anybody. If you're, Jesus said, if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of all. So we have killed. We killed, first of all, our own lives. We affected sin on other people that caused them to die. Sin kills. Sin kills. We are all murderers. We've all done it. So I'm saying back off Saul. Stop trying to judge him to the ground. Guys, that's what our culture teaches us to do, is to point at other people, evaluate them until we find a flaw, and then attack them for it. And then we love to watch them fall so we can feel better about ourselves. Don't do that. Be compassionate. Stick to the scripture. No doubt Saul caused a lot of damage. And Saul started out doing well, though. That's another thing I want to say, that we've got to weigh into the picture. He started out really good, but because of disobedience, he lost what could have been a very great royal dynasty. Even Samuel said, you you would have ruled. Your dynasty would have kept on, but you messed up. Saul lost everything, everything. He lost his rule, he lost his family, and he lost his life. If you look at what Saul did, he prophesied. He did a lot of great things in the Lord, but he also messed up real bad. And But people want to gravitate to the bad things he did and go, no condemnation. Look what he did. Wait a minute. He did good things too. If you analyze people so matter-of-factly with no compassion, then yeah, you're going to insist that Saul had to be condemned. But the Bible simply does not point in that direction. The direction it points to is because Samuel said, you're going to beat you and your sons. That includes Jonathan. You're going to be where, where I am with me. So, again, the question, how could such a sinner like Saul, how could somebody who messed up and did so much damage like Saul possibly be saved? Well, I don't know. How could a sinner like you and me who caused so much damage of our own, how could we be saved from the loving compassion of God? Guys, we need to remember what we read in this story here, to have compassion. We need to learn from David's example. David had compassion on a dying Egyptian, an Egyptian. Israelites had a lot of reasons to not like Egyptians. 
if you remember the 400 years of brutal slavery their people went through under the Egyptians. But how amazing it is that the Lord would use an Egyptian, one thought of as an enemy, so that David could show his men what compassion looked like. Friends, I think we need a healthy dose of what compassion looks like. We need somebody to show us what compassion looks like. And David did that even for us. That's why it's recorded in God's word. And so can we not learn some compassion so that we don't mar up the theology and say, no, he had to be condemned. Maybe not. Samuel said, you're going to be where I'm at. Yeah, but he threw himself on a sword, right? I know that. But Samuel said, you and your sons will be where I am. You got to think of Samson as well. Think I've made that case already. But even more amazing still is how these, these men did not learn from David. They did not, because when they wanted to deny the spoils to their own Israelite brothers, just because they had a selfish grudge, you didn't go fight with us. You stayed, you stayed back. You don't get any, any spoil. We should get all the spoil. That's the same attitude. No, 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 no. You shouldn't be saved. I should get saved, but you should not because you didn't do what I think is right according to me. Guys, that's a selfish, non-compassionate thing that we do. David showed these men compassion by helping an Israelite boy, and his own men didn't even get it. They didn't see it. Friend, I'm asking you to read the Bible and look at and view people with compassion. The Lord has so much more compassion than even we do. So let's don't judge Saul with negativity and no compassion or anybody else for that matter, okay? We just need to keep it strict, strict to the scripture, what we have seen, what we have read. We need to keep in mind that we have all, all of us, we have all violated God's law. We are all sinners, and we were all once kidnapped away, just like David's wives and, and his family and all their friends. We have all been kidnapped and taken away. But the Lord mounted up a rescue mission to come after us. The Lord mounted a rescue mission. And it says in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 10, I asked you to remember that verse, remember? It says, but David pursued. But David pursued. David went after those who were stolen from him. They were his people. They were his family. And he went after them. David pursued. And he pursued with the promise of God, a promise of victory to go along with him. Friends, I want you to know that Jesus looked and said, those are my, he looked at us kidnapped in sin. And he said, those are my people. I'm going to go get them. And he pursued. Jesus pursued, and he pursued with a promise of God behind him for victory. Colossians 1 and 13 says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. See, he rescued us. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. For those of you that don't understand Christianese, when you hear it, redemption means bought you back. That means you've been redeemed. That means you were lost, but I came and paid and bought you back. You're mine. You were lost. You got taken away, but I came and got you again. Redemption. We have been redeemed back to the Lord God. Isn't that great? Friends, I know that today there's a lot of stressful things going on, but remember that before David attacked the Amalekites, it says he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. You know, during a bad day that I had this week, I asked the Lord, what does that mean? He said, the way you strengthen yourself in me is by remembering and knowing and believing that I am 
with you. That's how you strengthen yourself in the Lord, my friends. He's with you. I know things are going nuts, but you know what? You be the one, the one person. If it's only you, like David, everybody else was grieving, but David was the one guy that strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. And so the Lord then gave David assurance of victory because David asked, how do I do this? He consulted with the Lord. He didn't just charge out. How do I do it? He got the assurance, and he went and got all of his people. He rescued them all. All of them were brought back. Jesus rescued all of his people. First John in 5, verse 1, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him, who is begotten of him. That means of the same nature. That means we're with him. Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Christian, look at that right there. You want to know how you're getting past this next big problem? That's how you do it. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Friend, I want you to take notice that it says that whoever loves God, loving God is this, is it's doing what he says. It's obeying him. There's a lot of people that say they love God. They say they're saved, but they're not. Think about it. When you're at work and the boss tells you to do something, you don't do it. What happens? You're fired. You're not really working there. Well, friends, there's a lot of people who thinks that they're saved, but you're not really saved. Why? Because you're not obeying. You need to obey the Lord and do what he says. But you can have assurance. You can have victory. Those are the people who are born of God, who trust in him, put their faith in him, say, be my Lord, be my Savior. I want to ask you, have you given your life to Jesus? If you have not, now's a good time to get right with Jesus Christ. Follow me in prayer. you got to pray this for yourself. I cannot pray it for you, but I can lead you in it. Father, forgive me. I've messed up. I have followed the lusts of the flesh, and I have done wrong. I have sinned, and it has caused a lot of damage. It has caused death, including my own. Forgive me, Father. I'm sorry. Save me. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you say. Forgive me. And thank you for dying on the cross and paying for me to redeem me back so that I could be back in your family. You came after me. You pursued me. And so, friend, if you have prayed that and you believed it, then according to God's word, you're saved. And I don't care what anybody tells you. If you really give your life to Jesus and follow him, you really repent of your sins and you got to stop doing them. Walk away from your sin. Guys, I I live around Houston. I've been to Austin before. I can't go to Austin unless I leave Houston. You can't go to Austin and be around Houston. you got to leave one to get to the other. You cannot stay in your sin and go to Jesus. You've got to repent of your sin and leave that life to demonstrate you truly, honestly mean it. Otherwise, you're, otherwise you're just talking. You're just cheap, cheap speech. Jesus said, these people acknowledge me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You don't want to be like that. Give your life to the Lord, and he will save you. And it doesn't matter what anybody tells you, you will be saved. It's a promise of God that is assurance you can take with you. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. We'll see you next time. Thank you for dropping by Set for Life. Hope to catch you again. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.